Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. Thanks for listening to the Art of Money podcast, artofmoneyradio.com for more information or to schedule that initial consultation. Appreciate you subscribing. Now, let's get to the show. Luke McCarty's with us now. How you doing this weekend? Doing good, fellas. How are you? So what's the family? A little family vacation without dad? <laughs> Not a family vacation, oh. a family day oh, okay. without dad and without the two young ones. I mean, they're all young, but only mom <laughs> and the oldest, Jack. They're at Hollywood Studios, or they went to Hollywood Studios. Nice. How was it? It was good. It was hot. Not as crowded as usual, they told me. And even the morning of, they could get reservations for lunch. You could that actually get, is nice. But that is abnormal. Very abnormal. That shows that the numbers are way down. They are way down. And for my four-year-old to go to Disney, drum roll, $130. <sighs> <laughs> for a four-year-old to get in the door. For a four-year-old. We jokingly said, can he pass his three? And I'm like, hey, you know, can he wear like his third birthday t-shirt or something? I don't know, man. He, he's kind of tall and no, he can't pass his three. So $130 to take. I mean, my wife's ticket was well, either that or more. So um, Hers that's, is 160 probably. That's probably why it's not as crowded. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, I read a report that they said that this was one of the slowest Fourth of July holiday weeks that Disney has had in many, many years. So I don't know if it's a combination of people who are just kind of getting a little burned out by Disney's antics with their, you know, streaming line of shows and TV and kind of their attitude in the fight with Governor DeSantis, or if it is just the price overall just to get in. All of the above. <laughs> Probably. Probably all of the above. And what did I you- mean, if you look at Target and you look at Bud Light and you look at, you know, some of those companies that have made big stances like that, it seems to affect the bottom line pretty substantially. Yeah, you're not wrong. And you said that uh, he rode, what did he ride for the first time? The Tower of Terror. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's a scary ride for an adult. I know. And Art was joking, you know, is, is he even tall enough to get on that ride? I said, I don't know, but a year ago he cried on Slinky Dog. <laughs> so <laughs> we're making um You're making big progress. Big big steps for that little man. <laughs> uh, I'm literally looking at my Disney app right now because we went to Disney last or during the holidays and you download the app to see how long the wait lines are. You could mm-hmm. actually get on Avatar right now, and the standby line's only 65 minutes. And normally it's 120 to 240. Yep. Usually a lot longer. Yep. We waited for an hour and a half on ours. Expedition Everest is a 45-minute wait right now. So That's a good That's a good. Yeah. That's I a mean, good number. Are, are kids back in school in, in certain parts of Florida yet? Not yet. Not yet. No. Or maybe they're trying to get one last in. Or, yeah, maybe it's just expensive. I'm glad you brought that up because the average ticket price now has climbed over 3,800% over the last 50 years with Disney, as you talked about. The average price, about 135 bucks. So uh, there was a report, Art and Luke, that said almost 20% of visitors to a Disney theme park borrow money just to make that trip. So let's say somebody wants to have that experience for the family, for the grandkids. Do you recommend taking money out of a retirement fund for a family vacation, or is that part of a bigger budget? Uh, that should be part of a bigger budget. You don't really want to take a lump sum out to go you know, blow it at Disney. Now, my wife, Stacy, she borrowed from the checking account. I hope she puts it back. But, uh, <laughs> uh, we did not take an IRA distribution to allow them to go to Disney. That would be a, um, it's more than likely a taxable event, right? So maybe you're paying 22 to 24% on that $135 ticket, right? So now that ticket costs you mental math, right? Make up numbers, $175, $180, because you got to pay taxes on it. You know, and then if you stay on site, I remember staying on site at Animal Kingdom probably a couple of years ago, and I got the cheapest room, right? And it was like four or five hundred dollars a night. The cheapest room only stayed for one night. So I bet those bad boys are eight or nine hundred dollars a night. I mean, <laughs> if you if you take a family to Disney now and you stay for a couple of days and you stay on site, I mean, it is thousands of dollars. 
So I can see the need to take a distribution or a 401k loan or something silly like that. But for that much money, if you're going to do something right, cut the cost in half and just don't go to Disney, right? Go somewhere different, <laughs> but make the memories, but be careful when you take lump sum distributions. Yeah. Lump sum distributions are a big no, no Mark. Um, because of the tax impact, just like Luke was saying, what you want to do is you want to build in your retirement budget, travel, and you want to build in those vacation experiences. So this would qualify as a large vacation experience, right? So you're going to probably need four or $5,000 to spend a week at Disney or more, depending mm -hmm. on what kind of hotel you stay in. Because if you're staying in the posh hotels that Luke's talking about, where it's <laughs> a Disney property, I don't think they have any cheap Disney hotels no. over there. So you're talking about, you know, paying top dollar for a hotel room every night. So just your hotel costs for five days could be $2,500. So then you're going into the theme parks. And when you're trying to eat lunch, breakfast and dinner at a theme park, it's not inexpensive. Don't forget about those so. stupid Mickey Mouse ears that are going to cost you 25 bucks a pop. Yeah. And then this souvenir. And yep. I mean, you know, when you're going, you have what? Nine o'clock breakfast, noon to two lunch. Mm -hmm. And then you have your six to nine dinner time. Well, they always need snacks, yeah. right? So you, you're stopping and getting a Disney ear bar, which is just basically a, a fancy <laughs> a ice cream, cream bar. Yeah, what is bar. That? An ear bar. Yeah, it's an ear bar, but it's like four fifty, yep. five dollars for an ear bar. And you do that for family of four. Now that's another 20 bucks here. And then you, well, you need something to wash it down, right? So bottled water is three fifty each or four bucks and... You know, all of a sudden, Disney ear bars cost you 50 bucks. <laughs> and they know. And they know that we're oh, going to pay yeah. for it because, oh, it's Disney. It's a magical experience. You are captive. Yep. So I fell into this when we were drinking around the world at Epcot. And there's a whole nother budget for that plan. And oh, we, yeah. were, we were in France. And I said, you know what? I'm with my wife, Gretchen. And she's shopping around or something. And I said, hey, I'm going to get us a couple of glasses of champagne. We're in France. It's what you do. So a glass of champagne was $15. Right. And yep. they said, oh, do you want a double pour? I'm thinking, oh, yeah, cool. No problem. Well, that's two $15 pours, $60 for two glasses of champagne at Epcot. Yeah, it sounds wow. about right. Yeah. Wow. Guess who didn't budget for that? This guy. <laughs> but hey, live and learn, I guess. <laughs> One way. Did you come back with a two double pour champagnes? And it was horrible. It wasn't even good. Yeah. I mean, I, I drank half of mine and she drank, I guess, three pours. So she was feeling great. <laughs> Epcot. I was feeling broke. So, but it is the importance of putting that budget together for those experiences with the family. It can be done. You just don't want to go dipping into your retirement accounts. 321-425-8550. I saw a story from Mark Cuban, the Shark Tank investor, celebrating his birthday worth more than $5 billion. But I saw a story about his advice on how to get rich. He says, save as much money as you possibly can. Instead of coffee, drink water. Instead of going to McDonald's, eat mac and cheese. Cut up your credit cards. If you use a credit card, you don't want to be rich. The first step in getting rich requires discipline. If you really want to be rich, you need to find the discipline. Art McPherson, Luke McCarty, that feels a little extreme. That's actually really great advice, though, because what he's basically talking about is you're not going to get rich without working at it. Right. So you've got to make effort. So it's, and it's the little things that add up. So if you take a look at what you're spending every day and when you buy this and you buy that and you buy this and you buy that, some people, Mark, will spend a couple thousand dollars a month on Amazon. 
So what he's basically saying is don't do that. Be very frugal, be very thrifty. Then you'll have a a lot of money that you can do something with and buy something of value. So you could buy a piece of property or buy some real estate and you don't have to finance it. You actually have the cash to buy it. So he's basically talking about living debt free. Don't get the trap of credit card debt where you're paying interest to a credit card company. And usually it's almost usury rates, you know, where you in state of Florida, you can get 29%. They can legally charge you for credit card interest. So when you're buying something that you think you have to have on sale, by the time you factor in 24% interest for just one year, you didn't buy it on sale. I agree and disagree. I mean, Mark Cuban did not get to $5 billion by skipping Starbucks. I mean, <laughs> he, he created a business, he sold the business, then he bought the Dallas Mavericks. Now he's on TV. I mean, he's had a, you know, a lot of success, but you know, for some people who are more on a budget other than Mark Cuban, you can look at your daily expenses, right? If you're going to Starbucks every morning and you're getting a coffee and some sort of breakfast. I mean, their egg bites are like, I don't know, six bucks for two eggs mm-hmm. and their coffee is like four or five bucks. So me, me at Starbucks is $12, right? I don't do that every day, but if I did that every day, you know, you're looking at 50, $60 a week, you know, 250, $300 a month. This is where things can add up. You know, Charlie Munger or Munger, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's the right hand man of Warren Buffett. He said the first hundred thousand dollars is the hardest to accumulate because most of that is from savings. He said, scratch, claw, do what you need to do to get that first 100,000, and then you can take your foot off the brake a little bit and have some fun. Well, I like that strategy a little bit better because it means <laughs> save to a certain point, right? You can't go your whole life not eating out for breakfast or not eating out for lunch, especially coming from somebody worth $5 billion giving you that advice. But you know, in general, you know, I like the principles of you know, look at your daily budget, your monthly budget, see what expenses you can cut, and just get you to a number to where compound interest starts to add up. The only thing Cuban was trying to do with that was mm-hmm. say, it takes discipline and it takes effort. You know, like you're not going to get rich by not just waking up every day and doing the same thing. You've got to have some kind of action. Like we all want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or like, you know, ripped abs and look great. But then you have to say no to the donut. And you have to say no to the pizza. Mm, had one this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? So yeah. it takes effort. You got to spend three, four, five hours into the gym a day. Um, you cannot just do things like that. They take a lot of grit, a lot of determination, and a lot of effort. But if you really have goals and objectives, I think that's where we come in as coaches for that, you know, where we can help coach people through retirement. We can help coach them through their uh, retirement income distributions, things like that. And then it takes away the mystery because if you want, if you've got a goal and you want to do something, having a coach can help you accomplish it a lot faster. And real quick, Luke McCarty, let's say you're putting a plan together for somebody and we're talking about, you know, you don't want to deny yourself the simple pleasures just to make sure your budget stays on track. But what if somebody says, I think we talked about this last week, hey, I haven't been on vacation in four years because I'm trying to save for retirement. Would you agree with that line of thinking? Somewhat. I mean, it depends what the vacation means to them, like how much that's going to cost, right? What they're actually cutting back to get there, right? What age they are. But, you know, in general, you still need to live life while you're working. And you can't go 40, 50 years saving money just to have money in your 60s. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds great when you're 60, but... You know, if you're 45 and haven't been on vacation in four years, it's time to do something, right, to make you happy again. I couldn't imagine working, you know, every day and not having, you know, some time away from the office or some extra time with my family or not a vacation. So I think there's a happy medium for both. You know, what we don't want to happen and what I tell people that the first time we meet them is, 
you know, the math says if you save all your money and invest it, you're going to have more money in the end. But that's not reality. And so we try to make, you know, if it's, hey, should I pay off my mortgage? I have an extra windfall of $400 a month. What should I do with it? Well, maybe put half towards your mortgage, right? Half to have fun with or half to spend, half to save, you know, because we are human and we do need to live life while we're living because we don't know how long we have. Amen. Yeah. A perfect example is my mom, you know, if she had been saving for retirement her whole life, she passed away at 59 from cancer, you know, so she didn't get a chance to have that retirement time. Um, she was, you know, part of the business with my dad when they started the company. So, you know, we don't have guarantees, Mark, on how long we're going to be here. So we're big believers in enjoying that time with your kids and your grandkids. And as they're growing, we don't want our clients to save every dollar they earn. We want them to be able to spend it on vacations while working. Um, but we also want them to be prepared for retirement. We want them to have enough money that they literally can walk into retirement and have their same salary or give themselves a pay raise. So if you're walking into retirement with the pay raise, um, you're going to be just fine and you're going to be very happy. And that pay raise is going to allow you to have a very, very successful retirement. That's the goal from the team of the McPherson Financial Group. You don't have to cut back in retirement. It begins with a phone call to 321-425-8550. When Congress passed the Secure Act 2.0 last year, it brought 90 different provisions that will impact retirement savers. Now, one change that takes effect in 2025 deals with catch-up contributions. So for those age 50 and up making 145000 or more a year, the catch-up money must go into an after-tax Roth 401k. What's your takeaway to that provision? Guys like me, that right now I'm taking advantage of the deduction. I won't be able to next year. I'll have to do the catch-up part of the provision because I'm max funding. I will have to do it as after-tax dollars, but yet I don't really mind that. I mean, I won't get the write-off, but I'll have all the tax deferral, and then I'll have tax-free income on that. So, But it can affect uh, how your withholding is done through your payroll, and it can make it a little more expensive. Um, the reason they're not allowing that is because when you're doing the catch-up provision, you can actually do up to $29,000 this year um, and have all that as non-taxable income, and the government wants to get more tax. So... That's why they've changed that provision. So you'll be able to get the initial part of it, but not the catch-up provision um, as tax-free. You'll have it taxable, but then it'll also still be tax-deferred. And then later in, in your retirement, it'll be tax-free. I think this is a silly way to add 200 pages to the IRS tax code. <laughs> um, you know, if, you, if you could always put in your contributions, right, and defer your taxes, I think you should still be able to. But now they're saying, well, if you make X amount of money, your catch-up has to go into the after-tax because we want to tax you. Well, then you start to think, well, what's the government really trying to do? Do they want to tax me later? Do they want to tax me now? And it sounds like they want to do both. And so they're taking you from, a, you know, if you're higher income, they want to tax your income now and not let you save tax-free or tax-deferred um, within the 401k. And, I mean, I just think they're making things too complicated, right? Some of the changes are good. Most of the changes have some back end on them that we're not, you know, privy to until we kind of read between the lines. But if it were me, I would have left this alone, right? If you want to save 30000 in your 401k, save it now and pay the tax later. But it really depends what tax bracket you're in because at the end of the day, when you retire, you're going to wish all your money was in the Roth anyways. It feels like the Secure Act 2.0, we've talked about it before, a lot of layers to it, but it's starting to feel like none of them are going to be beneficial to us. Are there any good aspects to it that you found? There are some good, there are some good aspects to it. And 
let me rephrase my 200 page comment and say thousands of pages. But, uh, um, you know, you can add more to your IRA. Your catch up, you know, goes to 7,500 now. They extended the required minimum distributions to 73 to 75, depending what age you were born. That could be a benefit until your kids inherit it and have 10 years to take it out at higher tax rates. But there's pros and cons to a lot of things, and they're just they're just monkeying around too much um, within some of this and. You know, they need to simplify a lot of it, in my opinion. Yeah, the actuaries, I would imagine, Mark, have looked at the data and said, well, you have a lot more people that are putting money into the catch-up provision, and if you change this rule, you'll get more tax revenue than you will lose by going from 72 to 75 on your required minimum distribution. So I would imagine that's why they did that. You're basically increasing revenue to the government because, for some reason, our government only grows at 8% per year, even if the economy has only grown at a half a percent, and they will never cut spending. They only increase spending. So because of that, they're always looking for ways to have more revenue, and it looks like we're always trying to have more and more giveaway programs. So um, it's never about cutting back and being frugal, like our further guest was saying to do. You know, just buy only water. Don't pay for anything other than don't buy a soda. Mm -hmm. You know, be super frugal. Wouldn't it be nice if our government would do that? Mm. So wait, let me get this straight. So the government continues to grow. They keep having giveaway programs and they need somebody to pay for all this. Where is that coming from at the end of the day? Our tax revenue. There it is. is. So I saw a stat said currently the government's spending 65% more than we are as people. So... They are extremely overspending. It's probably right in lines with, you know, economy grows at 2%, government grows at 8 right? I yeah. mean, there's a lot of fluff in there, a lot of that money. You know, that could be part of the reason why the market's been so resilient this year because the government is spending. I mean, it's the most they've ever spent in any six months in history. I mean, without, without COVID and those checks going, I mean, this is astronomical spending. And if you look it up, you know, we kind of looked at this. It's called the debt clock, usdebtclock.org. Mm-hmm. You know, last year it was $31.5 trillion, right? Then you look a couple days or a couple weeks after the, the debt ceiling went up, and it, re- it rose by a trillion dollars instantly. A lot of fluff, a lot of extra spending out there. The importance of having that tax strategy, because at the end of the day, we've talked about it before here on The Art of Money, that even in retirement, you still have to deal with taxes and every aspect of your retirement plan. Let's put a plan together. Let's put a tax strategy together so that it does benefit your retirement. 321-425-8550. We have a representative standing by right now to get you on the schedule or always online, Art of Money Radio. Dot com. You can put a Google on it. When you get home, all the information about the McPherson Finance Group will pop up. All right, you were talking about the market there, Luke, and Wall Street has been on a winning streak lately. So is now the time to get back into the market? I want you to hear this clip from wealth advisor Eddie Gabor, who told Fox Business. If I'm talking to a retiree or someone that's close to retirement and they're near an all-time high in their net worth, why would I go all in into equities when we are in an environment that's being propped up by government bailouts, a tremendous amount of speculation, when I can put a portion of their portfolio in something that is yielding, a yield we haven't seen in a long time, and then take a portion and actively manage it based on where we are going short term. But we are not going anywhere near all in until we get the fundamentals that tell us the coast is clear. Have the recent market rallies changed your strategy on where to put money? It has changed. So we started off the year um, with some hedging strategies in place and a little bit higher of a cash position. As the year went on, we started getting out of those as the market kept, you know, kept running higher. And now I wouldn't say we're all in because some of the components we use in our portfolios have like a buffer, right? Where if the market drops, you don't lose the 15% or the first 10%. 
or they have a hedge, like a hedge fund strategy to where it doesn't necessarily correlate exactly with the S&P 500. You know, a lot of people, you know, want to own, you know, the Qs, QQQ and the S&P 500. But when they realize that 10 to 15 percent of what they own is Apple anyways, why don't you just buy Apple? Hmm. Right. Or don't get over over concentrated in one stock, even though it's hidden in an index. So we are in the markets. We've always been in the markets. It's just our viewpoints on what our economic indicators are telling us, you know, allows us to give us what amount of risk we're willing to take at this current time. And, you know, Eddie was right in his quote, you know, if you're in retirement or you just got there and you were all equities, you probably don't want to be there in all equities for the whole retirement, of course, especially when cash is paying close to 5%, right? We haven't had that yield since what, 2008, 2009 time frame? Exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's just basically it's just watching what's available. I mean, the last time we could get money markets paying four point nine five percent and CDs in the mid fives um, was two thousand six. So it's an opportunity right now. However, it's a window of time. It's not going to be there forever because what'll happen if you look historically, the Fed will raise rates, uh, the economy begins to slow down, the economy starts to slow down too much, uh, they kind of overdid it, and then they have to start lowering again. And that is what the Fed does. They'll Raise to slow the economy, the lower rates to speed it back up. And that's just kind of what they do. They go up and they go down with rates. And we know that the rates won't stay here forever, but it's a good opportunity today to be able to increase uh, that yield on money that has almost no risk at all associated with it um, because it's really guaranteed interest rates or a fixed rate you know so it's a it's a much less risky type of asset where bonds are going to have some market risk and are interest rate sensitive and then the stock market itself is going to be very sensitive to risk uh, out there um, so it's just trying to measure that risk against what's tolerable for you and you're always playing the long game in retirement anyways mm -hmm. so you can have that money mark that's in there for 25 and 30 years to let it grow, but you've got to have some money set aside for cash flow. And you talked about risk there. So what does your portfolio look like? Too much risk? Not enough risk? 321-425-8550. Artofmoneyradio.com to schedule that initial consultation. No cost, no obligation. And again, nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. Maybe you're new to the community. You have a big box advisor. Feel like your needs aren't being met. Well, Art McPherson, Luke McCarty, they live here. They work here. They play here. They know the economy of the Space Coast. 321-425-8550. Before we take a break, you know, do you think that there are issues in the financial industry overall? And I ask that because in the mid-60s, Ralph Nader wrote a book called Unsafe at Any Speed. It condemned the auto industry for saying that Detroit knew the problems with their cars, but they didn't tell anybody. So let's spin that to what you do for the community. Many people believe that they're going to be fine, but the facts are many financial plans could fail and some adults may run out of money. So do you see any issues within the financial industry when creating retirement plans? Well, I think the biggest thing is most people don't have a plan. So they're, they'll go through 25 or 30 years of retirement savings being in their cubicle, you know, at work, and they say 10%, 15%, maybe 20, 25 there towards the last five years of retirement. And then now they've got to take this lump sum of money, Mark, and have that last for 30 years. And if they're the unfortunate ones to start their retirement when we had a big market correction like 2000, 2001, 2002, or 08, 09, you're talking about 50% corrections. And if they've 
just retired prior to the big correction and they had a couple million dollars and then boom, within a year, it's only worth a million dollars and they're trying to take retirement income. If they're doing that on their own without a retirement planning coach like Luke or I are for our clients, it can get very scary and very nerve wracking because they can sell the wrong type of assets. They can go all out of the market, go straight into cash, sit in cash too long. As the market rebounds, they finally get in, then it goes through another correction. And then some of those people get whipsawed so much, they don't even want to go back in the market. So it's trying to put their investments in proper positions to make sure they're allocated properly so that it'll last the rest of their retirement because we know they're going to go through four or five major market corrections. We know that. We just don't know what they're called. So we prepare for those swings and we prepare for those events. We just don't know what they are. You know, one thing we see that, you know, could potentially fail a plan or make a plan fail is a health issue, right? If you have a health issue, right, where are you going? How are you going to pay for it? You know, there's a stat that says most Americans want to live independently in place as they age, but 60% can't afford more than two years of in-home care. So if you think you're going to stay at home, but you don't have a plan to stay at home, Maybe you have some retirement savings, but you don't know how much it's going to cost to stay home. You don't know when you're going to need to stay home. This is where long-term care comes into play, and this is where we can help you by saying, okay, if this is a concern of yours because of family history or you've seen it personally happen to you, this is where we come in and say, hey, maybe long-term care insurance is the right thing for you. Let's take a portion of what you were planning on saving for that and use that portion and leverage it through long-term care insurance to have that security for you and your family. Because if one of you needs long-term care or you're single or however it plays out, you know, this could, you know, take five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000 a month from your portfolio. And, you know, that could be very detrimental over time, especially if you need it for, you know, more than a couple of years. Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at artofmoneyradio.com. We are an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of financial and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Securities offered through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through ProStatus Group, LLC. McPherson Financial Group and ProStatus Group, LLC are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Investment financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. Art McPherson is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Arthur McPherson. Florida Insurance License Number A1 74725. Today's show has been a work of art. 